This is the Engineering Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Avi Noda. In this episode, I speak with Brent Strange, who's the Director of Engineering Excellence at GoDaddy. Brent's focus is on the people side of engineering, which felt like a great new perspective to have on our show. I was really fascinated by Brent's description of how in his org, product management reports into engineering, which has led to a more engineering-led culture. I also appreciated learning more about the role of agile coaches and getting Brent's thoughts on some of the negative views that exist toward agile. Hey Brent, thanks for coming on the show today. Really excited to chat with you. Well, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here, Avi. Glad to have you. Well, on this podcast, the past few months, we've been talking to mostly infrastructure and platform and DevX teams and really excited to learn more about kind of your flavor of how you enable and help engineers at GoDaddy. So my first question is, you know, I kind of have a good sense of what infrastructure and platform and DevX teams tend to focus on. But what is engineering excellence at GoDaddy and what's your primary focus? That's a great question. I can talk specifically to our department, and our department is the partners organization at GoDaddy, which is uh, historically our hosting organization. Uh, but what is it has grown a lot in the last couple of years because uh, as GoDaddy has gone public, uh, we sort of acquire a lot of hosting companies to grow our portfolio. And so our charter or my charter is to coach and establish high-performing customer-focused partner teams. And that includes about 30 engineering teams, approximately 200 engineers, and approximately 30 product owners. That's awesome. And I'm curious, how big is your group then that's supporting these 30 teams? It's actually very, very small. I would almost say it's like a two or three person show. We support it in different ways, though, right? So there's uh, things like agile coaching. uh, There's metric programs that we build uh, and roll out. Uh, We have a a quality organization uh, where we support uh, with quality. But I do uh, a lot of what I do in my day to day has a lot to do with agile coaching, which is tightening feedback loops, uh, just working with teams and then also working with the business unit on org structures team structures and those dynamics between the product and engineering teams. Well, it sounds like there's a broad focus, but maybe leaning more towards the organizational side of engineering effectiveness as opposed to the tooling side, which is really interesting. Yes. I'm curious, who are your biggest partners and allies? Like, who do you sort of report to? Do you work closely with the HR team, platform team? Like, who do you kind of ally with? I think our biggest support person is our VP of engineering. There's been quite a history of like who rules in the uh, partners organization. Is it product ruled or is it engineering ruled? And that's been a, you know, always been a, a, a good friction. But currently it's our VP who's a head of engineering. And the way our org structure kind of works at this moment is this VP has directors of engineering reporting to him, as well as product management, directors of product management, and then POs uh, go up to them. And then, of course, engineers report up through the directors of engineering. Very interesting. And so our biggest allies are directors and VPs, I'd say. 
That's really interesting because a lot of the organizations I think I've spoken to and have worked with in the past have more of a branched out model where product and engineering are completely separate organizations that then come together cross-functionally. I'm curious, what do you think of the model that you guys have? Do you see any trade-offs between having them be separate organizations versus under the, the same sort of management chain? That's a really good question. So we have had the separation in the past. And I think this is part of that natural friction that I was talking about. But what we find, though, is it kind of gets heavy. It gets weighted towards one side after a while, right? And so then engineering teams tend to not be able to get the things done that they want to do. It's very, very product driven. And so the technical debt grows and quality assurance or or quality starts to drop a little bit because, I mean, product is very, at GoDaddy especially, is very marketing driven. So we spend a lot of time just trying to get stuff out to our customers. But in the meantime, you know, we kind of lose some of that foundation that's really important to engineers. Environments too is another thing is like keeping up with our environments, our test environments. And so, Recently, you know, probably within the last year, we, we kind of shifted the other way, a little bit of a change of power where everything came under the VP of engineering. And what we did differently this time, though, instead of just like saying, okay, engineers rule, and uh, it was more of, okay, there are engineering metrics that we think are really important, and there are things that engineers really need to do. How can we use those and couple those with product goals and make that part of the flow. So not only are you doing engineering metrics, and and, and a good example would be uh, having a page load time of less than two seconds, right? It's a customer need, but it creates some, there's some really heavy engineering that has to happen, not only on the front end, but the back end. And it's sometimes that in that other model, the product forward model, that back end tends to suffer. So What we've done is, and then this is some of the things that I help with in the programs that I run, is we take those kinds of metrics and make them part of the product metrics and feed it up into some of those product goals. Because performance is a very common uh, request or better performance is is a need for our customers, right? And so that's kind of how the the shift has occurred over the years. And right now, it's working pretty well. Have you heard... Any sort of complaints from the product side of that discussion? And before I say that, I, I'll say that the answer you gave was different than what I was expecting and actually really inspiring. Like to hear you say that really this org structure enables a more engineering led culture that where development concerns and engineering concerns are more advocated for. That makes a lot of sense having heard it from you now, but that wasn't necessarily what I had assumed was the reason for the org structure. But I'm curious, you know, what have you heard maybe from the other side of the discussion? Yeah, the other side of this discussion is probably a little bit less now. Uh, That transition that I talked about took a long time. It took a long time of people moving around, uh, mindsets changing, people deciding that that's not what they wanted. So they would move the to an organ, another organization, those kinds of things. So I think there's less thrashing now. People are in alignment with this methodology in in the way this flow works. 
But of course, there was a lot of pushback in the beginning, right? Because like I said, GoDaddy uh, is, you know, is a marketing machine. And so that that really ties into very strong product-driven related things. And, and not that that's wrong in the least bit, but it's more of how do you create that a hybrid that works well together? And so, and that's really what we're trying today. Will it work? You know, could we look back in five years and say, oh my gosh, was that, you know, that was a total flood. I don't know. I mean, it it feels like today it's going very well. Yeah, it's definitely a really interesting approach. Probably not, like I mentioned, the approach that I'm commonly see, but I can just really relate to it having even my experience just at GitHub, which I think historically was a very engineering-led company. But after the acquisition by Microsoft sort of shifted a little bit. There was a the product management organization quadrupled in size. It, there really wasn't a real product management organization mm. prior to the acquisition. And as a result, and because there were such big kind of audacious business goals for GitHub, the culture definitely changed to be you know, much more product driven. And I think there's a whole other side of that story, which is we, we had to eventually pause feature development completely for a quarter to yes. work on developer experience and technical debt, yeah. which uh, we talked about with uh, Liz on a prior podcast episode. But really interesting to hear the approach you guys have landed on at GoDaddy. Yeah. And just to be clear, Avi, like that's just this business unit, right? There are several business units at GoDaddy that are on that other side, right? That are still doing it that way. And it makes sense for them. Yeah. Really interesting. You know, one of the things you mentioned in the introduction here was that one big thing that your organization or your team is responsible for is agile coaching. And I think you're actually the first person on this podcast to kind of wear the the agile coach tag, so to speak. (laughs) But before we kind of dive into what that is and what that means, what's your background? I I saw you've been an engineer, you've been an agile coach, like you've sort of woven your way into this. I'm, I'm curious to learn more about just kind of your personal journey and how you've landed here in this role now. That word weave, I think, is key there. Uh, my personal journey ha- did start at GoDaddy with quality assurance. I was given kind of a, a funny description when I entered uh, GoDaddy. Uh, my manager called me the, the quality assurance paratrooper jumper or parachute jumper. And so what he would do is he would drop me into various teams to help out. And my expertise was automation, right? So not just I'm not just doing manual testing, but I could do automation, performance testing, uh, debugging, you know, profiling, and those kinds of things. So my start here was, was quality assurance, and I have a long background of quality assurance before GoDaddy. Went through some management phases there. Went through a plat or was on a platform team for a while that basically. Uh, built very something very similar to S3 with object storage internally. Uh, was on another NoSQL platform team that uh, we kind of uh, as a service at GoDaddy uh, for to help manage global distribution of of data. Uh, and then you know also in there was agile coaching. So several years ago, get GoDaddy kind of went into this phase of okay what is agile and how do we do it, right? How do we get out of this waterfall mentality uh, that the whole industry is in, right? And so I was very passionate and interested in in what this was and, and how it worked. And I was very fortunate to work within or to work with a company, a third party that we brought in to coach agility at GoDaddy. And I was able to shadow one of those guys, his name was Derek Neighbors from Integrum Technologies, and uh, he taught me all the things about Agile that I didn't know quite yet. 
as well as like how to interact with the teams and just be that coach. And then through that process, I got to see so many real world examples of like human system dynamics and how teams work together and how organizational structures can be formed, non-hierarchical. How do you kick off a team properly so they have all the things that they need to be successful And uh, it just kind of blossomed from there. Eventually, we moved away from that third party. And I just kept that role, uh, even though I wasn't didn't necessarily have the title anymore. As I kind of moved around the company, I was always seen as somebody that people could go talk to to get advice on agile methodologies, tools and processes. And then from there, because of just the various things that I've been involved with, with agility kind of moved into this director of engineering excellence, because there's, there's just a lot of stuff that goes hand in hand with engineering excellence and agility, right? And it's not just tools. I love that. And the, the not just tools piece is definitely something that's come up in so many conversations with folks who actually work on the opposite end of you, more on the tool side. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think in almost all those conversations, at some point, there's a remark about, well, yeah, there's another side to this. And I think that's the side that you focus on, which is so interesting. When you were talking about agile and agility, sounds a little bit like the way of the Jedi, right? So I'd love to kind of demystify it a little bit. I've never actually worked with an agile coach. Uh, I don't think I've ever worked at a company that had an agile coach. So what does an agile coach do? And who needs an agile coach? Well, my opinion of what an agile coach is, is they, they just, they're there to help teams work on theory, tools, practices, learn how to streamline their pipelines. You know, what is extreme programming? What is TDD? What is CICD? You know, those kinds of various things, questions that come up, as well as uh, just some basic things within Scrum, right? I spent a lot of time working with people teaching scrum basics just like clean scrum and the value of all the ceremonies the roles when you don't have certain ceremonies what can happen Uh, when you don't have certain roles for example product owner a lot of times or scrum master some of the the fallout that can happen uh, when you're trying to run scrum Uh, kanban's in there too right where we teach a lot of uh, cons or a lot of things around Kanban and how that works and, and how that can fit into your workflow to kind of just make your life a lot better, a lot more efficient, and then just learn how to inspect and adapt, right? So you can continually grow as a team or as an organization. And I'm curious, do you feel that all teams would benefit from an agile coach or is it just teams that are inexperienced or new? Like who needs an agile coach? That's a good question. I think certainly inexperienced teams do uh, need help, especially as they're trying to navigate the culture of the company, where their integration points are, things like that, and try to understand that. They're, how to when they're blocked, like how to get past you know blocking and those kinds of things. You know, I, I deal with a lot of experienced teams. I think a lot of times with an experienced team, they have a lot of experience in agility and in those concepts that come along with it. But sometimes they just need that third party to kind of take a look to say, look, we're just stuck here. We're not sure what to do. How do we break out of this? And having that extra set of eyes is very helpful from a coach with all that experience to say, oh, yeah, I've seen this before. Here are some options you can think about. 
And one thing that's important about being a coach is not to be really dogmatic, right? Because if you're dogmatic about your, the practices that you see over or the problems that you see over and over again and how to handle them, there's no room for um, their own personal growth and self-realization. So coaching can tend to be a, a, a little bit of a long process for a team because uh, you have to build that trust. Uh, you have to help them see their own ways. And that that takes time. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'm curious, so what's actually the operational model for agile coaching? So you mentioned your team is just a few people. So how are you coaching, I guess, at, <laughs> at GoDaddy? That, well, today, for me, the, the operational model is my door is open. You know, I've been at GoDaddy for 15 years. A lot of people know me. And so when people or uh, leadership realizes that there might be a smell or something that can be helped with or a new team spun up and they want them spun up quickly with purpose, I have this sort of open door model, right? To say, yeah, I'm available or my director of quality assurance is available and he can help with that specific problem. Or I manage a couple of platform type tools as well that help aid some agility as well as uh, various other CICD test automation, those things. That makes sense. So it's kind of a more of a, a pull model. People come yes. to you and that makes sense. And are you kind of always, would you say you're, do you feel underutilized at times or are you slammed with a backlog of people who need help? Are, are you kind of scouting for smells yourself or you have a pretty good inbound queue of folks who need help? I think it's a good balance. I think uh, what's interesting is some of the the things that I've focused on in the past, when I feel underutilized by the people, there's always other things to do that are more uh, big wins, right? Like we need this thing or we need a set of metrics that we can help drive in 2023 to align with product. And those things keep me busy. Now, is that agile coaching? No, but again, I, I think, you know, like I said, uh, agile coaching and, and director of engineering excellence and human system dynamics, they tie together very well. And there's a lot of things that cross over. And I don't know if I could put it under one title, but that's what keeps me busy during the day. I don't know if you've ever run into it, but I've definitely come across sentiment at times, particularly sort of in Silicon Valley of this a little bit of a snuffing of agile, right? I, I think there's sort of certainly practices like Scrum, for example, have sort of have somewhat tarnished their brand within certain, I think, sort of subcultures of Silicon Valley. And as a result, I think agile and maybe even agile coaching has sort of been kind of thrown into the same bucket. So I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, have you seen that? yourself? Like, do you see that on the internet? Have you run into people who feel that way or have that attitude? I'm curious what your perspective is. It's interesting. Yes, I do see it. I, of course, I see it on the internet. You know, there's so much debate, right, going on there. And I have seen it in internally myself. When I was doing the coaching at a GoDaddy level, not at just a department level, that certainly was happening. And I think part of it, again, was GoDaddy saying, look, we want to become more agile, right? And, and so what does that take? And, you know, when you're trying to go to organizations and explain to them what it is and what the various things are within it that can help them, there's an automatic reaction of like, we're fine. 
you know, don't mess with us. You know, we're doing fine. Look, we're deploying. And um, but the reality of it is, is uh, a lot of teams can inspect and adapt and make improvements. And it's more about getting people unstuck. Uh, but through that process, especially in that initial rollout of talking about agility and declaring that we want to pursue this, there would be people that I would hear through the grapevine that would be vastly against it. You know, I would hear their names and I that I would never cross paths with them because they did their best to avoid that whole momentum. Uh, and they, always, they try to fly under the radar. Now, because I think the position of power or, you know, having that somebody come in at that other level and being able to talk to other leadership about what's going on in the ground and how they're helping, you're kind of exposing some of that. And so I think also like there's this pushback, uh, not only like they're fundamentally against agility, but they're fundamentally against like somebody sniffing around and kind of telling the state of the organization. And that's really hard. And again, that's where trust a long time of work and doing it and doing the right things and seeing results, I think that trust is built. Really interesting perspective. And, and that makes, I love the call out to, you know, in addition to maybe the just natural arguments or mislabeling or uh, sort of the anti-spirit against Agile in general, the, the defensiveness toward, you know, having anyone kind of come in and inspect the culture of inspection sounds a little bit maybe threatening to some folks. And, and that, really interesting. And today, I think it's a little, it's less at GoDaddy, right? Because we've been doing this for so long. I mean, I'm going to say, I'm going to guess like seven years or more. And so it's just, it's actually part of our culture now. One thing that's interesting, you know, I was recently having a conversation with someone at Google who mentioned, you know, they have this developer productivity org of 4,000 people who really act as sort of solution engineers internally, right? They embed with teams and kind of help them just be more productive, both on the tooling side, but I think also on the process side. So that to me sounds very similar to what, to your description of an agile coach, maybe perhaps coming into it with slightly different lenses and perspectives. So I guess a question I have for you is like, do you think the branding of agile is part of the problem with agile as far as people's negative views towards it? Well, that's a loaded question because what is the branding of agility? And I, I think the branding of agility is there's what we see on the internet, which is all over, right? And then there's what you build in your company, right? And then what uh, you uh, preach or, you know, you go off and do in your own company. And one thing that I've always resonated with is the, you know, capital agile versus lowercase agile, which that capital is like, here's this dogmatic way that you must do, right? And to be fair, though, when we first started talking about agility at GoDaddy, we found that Scrum was a very helpful place to start, right? Because it, it's a framework and it has described roles and processes and ceremonies. And those things are kind of a blessing and a curse because one, you're giving somebody something to look at, to try to follow. But then if you're saying, no, you're doing this piece wrong, then it feels very dogmatic to them, right? And so to me, it's, it's more of, in my opinion, it's best to uh, create a culture of lowercase agile. 
but give them all the tools and information so that they can dig in and learn for themselves. And then when they get into trouble or they're, they're confused with the various certain things, you can help them through that. I really love that. The lowercase agile versus the uh, A versus the, the uppercase A, because I think, and this is just my personal perspective, I do think that the capital A is associated with dogmatic practices, like you mentioned, like Scrum, but also even sort of the the over-commercialization of Agile by consulting firms and yes. uh, vendors selling solutions around it. And I think that's led to you know a feeling of being sold sort of a, uh, like you said, a dogmatic or religious sort of approach to development that when we know that there's not maybe always some one-size-fits-all approach that works well. So, so I think your description of capital A versus lower case A really hits at that. So I really, I really appreciate that thought. There's one other thing there too, is agile at scale, right? And that's where I think it can get really, really dogmatic. And, and GoDaddy doesn't, you know, subscribe to some of these. Uh, there's a very, you know, there's an infamous framework. I'm not going to name it, but safe. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll let you do that. But I mean, there's value there. I, I see that, but uh, you know, if you look at that and you try to follow it to a T and you try to shove your company into that, you're, I think you're just asking for trouble or, and maybe it will work in the long run, but the journey to get there is going to be full of gnashing of teeth and ripping of clothes. It's just, it, you know, it's, it's going to be painful. Yeah. I, I completely agree with that. And I've sort of speculated on why just, you know, something like safe. It's fascinating to me. And I've never, I should caveat this, I've never worked in an organization that used safe. And I haven't really spoken to anyone deeply about their experiences with it. But having seen and learned a little bit about it, it strikes me as sort of, you know, software development is fast changing, and it's a black box, it's complex. And so I totally get why there would be an appeal to like, here's a comprehensive system basically turn software development into like a, a systematized as a manufacturing facility. Like I saw a diagram of safe once and it yeah. literally looked like a manufacturing plant, right? Assembly line yeah. of software. And so I totally get the appeal. But I think the point you made, you know, I'm curious what the long term looks like for an organization that adopts that. I mean, you've now rooted your culture in that. I mean, how do you even undo that? You know, undoing say like if you adopt that, undoing it is probably going to be as difficult as implementing it. Curious if you've seen stuff like that. You know, I haven't experienced safe myself either. Very familiar with it, like have poured over their stuff and and very familiar with the diagram and, and the different versions that they've come out over time or with over time. But what I find fascinating about it, and I think there's a lot of truth to it and a lot of reality is. I kind of look at it from a system standpoint, right? Like a processing uh, or a system standpoint of process, right? And trying to put it all in place at once is, in my opinion, a fool's errand, right? So how can you put little pieces in place that they've identified as key structural things? Like, for example, the release train. How do you put those things in place and just focus on that piece and then build off of that? And I think you could probably break it down or modify it in the same way, right? If something is not working necessarily for you, modify that a little bit. And maybe that diagram gets changed a little bit for your company. And I think that's, you know, that's the best approach you can take. But if you're just trying to stick to that picture, I think that's when that, that dogmatic trouble begins. 
Love that perspective. Well, I've appreciated this sort of sober or honest conversation about Agile, and I'm sure it's one we'll both continue having. I want to pivot a little bit and talk about, speaking of capital letters, you know, you mentioned to me you took this course through the Human Systems Dynamics Institute, right? I'd love to kind of, yeah, just get the, the quick dive into that. You know, how did you hear about it? I've never heard of it. And what is it? What, what kind of drove you to want to learn more about that? Well, one thing inside of agility, I think, is from a coaching perspective is becomes very fascinating to you is psychology, right? I don't know, somehow through that in the internet, I, I tripped over uh, the HSD Institute. And um, I saw that they had a program and that you could go learn and uh, my mentor at the time, uh, Derek, has some great connections in the agile industry, and he knew that Diana Larson had taken that course. So he hooked me up with Diana, and I, and I talked to her about it and the value that she got out of it, and she basically talked me into it. And uh, from there, I, I signed up, and then I went to a, a, a week-long, or sorry, a, yeah, it was about a three- or four-day-long workshop. And then I joined a, a, a cohort for about eight weeks where we worked through all the tools and various things that they have. And honestly, it changed my life because not only from a work perspective, but just from everything, like my personal well-being and the way that I look at the world and government and those kinds of things. So that's how I found it. That's a powerful testimonial. And so I'd love to... So what... Can, I mean, can you give an example? I'm sure it's difficult to cover you know, everything that human systems dynamics is, but like, can you give an example of maybe one of the concepts and, and, and then how like a concrete change in the way you're approaching a certain problem or the way you look at a specific problem in your work might be? One example or one tool that they have is uh, something called dissemination and complex adaptive system systems. And the way that I kind of use that constantly is trying to understand interactions between objects and objects being people or teams or organizational units. So you have the person and you have the event or the the inputs and the outputs of those things that interact with something else, whether it be a person to a team and those kinds of things. So what... I tend to look at organizational structures to understand communication paths, or most of the time is actually a lack of communication, not actual communication paths, and trying to understand how I can improve feedback loops and things like that. So a lot of it has to do with context of those structures and and how they interact with each other and how you can improve those things. For me, a blaring example to me was just a simple tool that human system dynamics provided, which was just uh, differences and similarities, right? So at one point we had this team that was struggling to get stuff done and they brought in, or GoDaddy brought in a, a couple of more people that were basically, you know, high level engineers that totally understood agility and they're actually part of a third party and they try to integrate them, right? And you can imagine that clash, right, that occurred when you get these people that tend to be very knowledgeable, and then they're merging with these people that are, or this team that is having problems. And so interestingly enough, like I said, where agility and HSD tie together is I ended up running this very high um, tension retrospective for this, this group of people to try to 
bring them back together because it was literally going, it was exploding. Like it was a bad situation. And I simply used this tool that they taught us uh, with differences and indifferences and made each one of the people in that team list, you know, the similarities and the differences that they had uh, between this other party and basically talked them through that and talking them through that it helped a lot and it allowed them to come up with some ideas, understanding both sides to move forward and out of that problem that they were in. And that problem is called a sticky situation, right? So it helped them through that sticky situation. That's awesome. Well, I'll definitely look into HSD myself a little bit more. It sounds like you got a lot of value out of it and uh, really enjoyed this conversation today. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really enjoyed it too, Abby. Really appreciate what you guys are doing with this podcast. I, I love it. Thanks, Brent.